Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, yea, Amen. Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen? Amen. It's a wonderful thing to be home. And for everyone who went to Myanmar, uh, I'd like to thank you for making us uh, all feel welcome and uh, loved as we came home. Um, you know, God saw to it that you guys had a little bit of a taste of Myanmar when you guys had porta potties here at the church. <laughs> Trust me, if we would have had one of those porta potties ourselves on many occasions, we would have raised our hands and sang the doxology. Uh, we don't really do a lot of videos of rough things in Myanmar because we're trying to encourage the people there. And do you know how discouraging it would be if someone came to stay at your house and they took a picture of all the ugly things in your house that bothered them? Uh, and all the, uh, they're like, it's so, I can't believe it. It's like so bad, right? I hate America, or I hate the, the, you know, the Hatfields house. Their dog drives me insane, right? So we don't do a lot of that in the videos because we're not wanting them to feel bad. But trust me, we could make some stellar viral videos of some really, uh, really wonderful and amazing things that you can find in a bathroom in Myanmar. But we're thankful, you know. Some of you uh, have never been thankful for an actual toilet. Uh, but I think that there are some people here who are very thankful for an actual toilet. So we're thankful for the toilets. I know that's, isn't that a great greeting this morning? And, uh, but we are thankful to be home, to be in uh, our country. Uh, we have a wonderful country that we live in. We have a wonderful church. And we have a church full of people who we love. And we have families that we like to be with too. And so we're so thankful for that. You know, David talked about uh, God and how God was not merely going to just do something for the children of Israel, but that he was going to do something for all the nations of the world. And David at that time probably didn't know what a Chinese person was or a Burmese person or a Chin person, but they were alive then. Uh, there were people in, in this part of the world then, no doubt. And David said this in... Uh, <clears throat> Psalm 86, he said, Bow down thine ear, O Lord, and hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy, O thou my God. Save thy servant that trusts in thee. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon Amen. thee. Aren't we glad that he's merciful? Amen. Aren't we glad that we don't go around the world looking at people and going, look how bad they are. Look how good we are. Aren't we glad we go around and we go, oh God, thank you for being merciful, not only to me, but to all these people. God's mercies, the Bible says, are new every morning. He said, give ear unto the Lord unto my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Among the gods, there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thee. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and shall worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great, and thou dost wondrous things 
and thou art God alone. You know, he mentions about among all the gods, we as Americans, we, we talk about people who worship things, but we really seldom ever see the gods of other people. And Steve, we walked into temples, right? And we stood before their gods, did we not? And you, their gods cannot hear them. Their gods are not answering their prayers. Their gods are made of stone. They're made of wood. They're made of ceramic. Some might be made of gold, but gold never answered a question. Amen? Gold never, gold never uh, put a caressing arm of love around. Gold never did any of that. And these things may you know, be put in the form of a skinny Buddha or a fat Buddha or a hundred foot standing Buddha or whatever. They may put gems on them. Uh, they may be covered in all kinds of ornate craftsmanship, but they're just false gods. We ate at a Kentucky Fried Chicken next to a Hindu temple, and it's covered in their gods. Gods that don't hear them, that don't see them, that don't love them. Aren't we thankful we have a God who loves us? Amen. He said, Thou art great, and you do wondrous things, and you are God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord God, with all of my heart, and I will glorify thy name evermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest of hell. God, the proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul, and they have not set thee before them. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion, gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. Turn unto me, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Give thy strength unto thy servant, and save the son of thine handmaiden. Show me a token for good, that they which hate me may see it, and be ashamed, because thou, Lord, hast helped me and comforted me. Let us pray. Lord, you have helped us and comforted us, and what a comfort it is to come into this place today. We who were not a people have now become your people. We who were once merely the sons and daughters of Adam have now become the sons of God. O oh Lord, it does not appear what we shall be, and we live in the sinfulness of our bodies. And so we come before you each week confessing our sins, knowing we are not worthy to be called by your name, to be called your sons. But like the father of the prodigal, you say, yes, you are. Come into my house. All that is mine is thine. You put a robe on our backs, a ring on our fingers, and you kill the fatted calf. And heaven rejoices when we come. Lord, we don't deserve it, but you invite us in and you make us your children. Lord, today I pray that we would long for your voice, that we would hunger, and that you would feed us from heaven. Lord, help us. Speak to our hearts. We long to hear your voice. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. My sermon today is very non-typical. I know I've been to Myanmar many times and I've never come back and given a Myanmar report. Andy said, yes you do. You try to pretend you're preaching a sermon and then you also give the report and three sermons later. So he was very relieved to hear that I was just going to go straight for the report. How about, how about you? No. No. My sister, Anne, which I'm so glad to hear, she's glad to hear that too. Uh, she doesn't know if she can handle a good sermon, but I'm going to get one just for you, baby. Just, just, you just, we, we may do it. My text for you is from Acts chapter 14. And part of, part of the reason why I haven't done the Myanmar report before, uh, I don't know exactly why. Uh, but the Lord impressed on my heart to look into the scriptures on what Paul did when he got back from his trips. You know what Paul did? He gave a report. And then I saw after the first missionary journey, you know what he did? He gave a report. After the second missionary journey, you know what he did? He gave a report. And after the third missionary journey, guess what he did? He gave a report and on and on and on. I'm like, okay, well, I suppose maybe I could be more biblical with my church people. Uh, so I'm going to read this for you so you can hear it yourself. Acts chapter 14, starting in verse 26. And thence they sailed to Antioch. 
from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. Paul was on his way back. He, he left from this Antioch, and he comes back to Antioch. And when they were come, they gathered together the church. And they rehearsed all that God had done, <clears throat> and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode a long time. Are you guys ready to abide a long time? He abode there a long time with the disciples. My kids reminded me it would take a month to tell all that God has done. So we'll, we'll, we'll take a month and we'll do that. But I'm going to talk to you about something God's really put on my heart to share. And I think I understand a little bit better right now why God wanted me to do this. Let's pray. Lord, I know the church knows that if I'm emotional just reading the scripture, I'm probably going to be a basket case in the sermon. Help me to control myself, Lord. Lord, you know my heart is full. Lord, I want to pour it out so that they can hear what you have been doing and the doors that you have opened and the good things that you have done through weak people. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you would be with us, that you would open our ears and that you would speak the messages that need to be spoken in the hearts of all those who gather here now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The life of the Apostle Paul and a great deal of the book of Acts is filled with these missionary journey reports. Paul spent the majority of his life on one journey after the other. If you were in daily contact with Pastor Nang Tong, uh, like I am, you would know that he's always on another place. He's always on it. He's like, I'm going here. I'm going there. I'm going here. Could you pray for me, brother? Could you pray for me, brother? I'm on my way here and I'm on my way. I'm thinking, is this the man ever home? And Pastor Neng is a man like that. He's a man on a mission from God. You know, when we spend time with him, it's like he's our guide and he's our servant. And he takes care of us. And what that should do to most of the team is make you feel really humble. Because a great man of God is caring for us and interpreting for us and feeding us. And arguing with every cab driver for the best price for us. Fighting with the bus owner for us. The bus owner got us in the bus and, and we're away. And he's like, yeah, you can't go here. Pastor Ning is like, yes, they, they, he wants to go there. That's where we're going to go. No, you can't drive the bus there. Yes. And he argues with him for three hours. He loses sleep. He gets the guide and let us use the vehicle. You know, this, this is the stuff of missionary journeys that you don't hear a lot about. Paul didn't really even talk a lot about this. But I guarantee you, people were taking advantage of him. People were trying to rip him off. And vehicles, if they had them then, would be breaking down, and so forth and so on. But Paul spent the majority of his life on these journeys, and if you look into these journeys, you'll see that there is a time of sending and a time of returning where he gathers the church together. My text is from Paul's first, what the, what the, what the commentators call his first missionary journey. I know enough about the Bible to know the commentators aren't really, they're not right about this. Because Paul was on missionary journeys before there ever were missionary journeys. He was out there when he came to Christ after the road to Damascus. He went out into Arabia and he was there for years. Well, you think he wasn't talking about things and going on journeys? Absolutely. As we read in our text, Paul gathered the church together and rehearsed all that God had done. Everybody say, all that God had done. All that God had done with them and how he had opened the door. I love the Bible. It's inspired of God, every word. He told them not all of the neat things that happened, right? He told them all about what God had done and how he had opened the doors. The Bible says that God opens doors that no man can shut. And I'll tell you what, there is a wonderful thing about going and knowing God has gone before you. That God is going to do the work when you get there. And God is going to be the one telling the story that you are living in right now. It's a pretty wonderful thing, Paul. It's a great comfort because in the middle of it, you know, many times we go, what in the world is going on? And you can stop and you can say, Sam, you can say, I know what's going on. God is doing something right now. That's what's going on. And it's not according to my plan. It's not really what I thought should come next in the thing. I get these people who go, you know, if you planned your itinerary better, I'm like, oh, yeah, try that. I'd love for you to try. I'd love for you to try to plan what in the world is going on every day. Kids, are like, what are we going to do? I'm like, hey, I don't know. 
I know what I wanted to do. I know what I thought we were going to do. I know that what they said we were going to do, but who knows what's going to happen. But as we see in Acts 13, we see how they were the church they were sent by. We also see it says, Now there were in the church at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene. And as they ministered to the Lord, they were together fasting. The Holy Ghost said, Separate Barnabas and Saul for this work. I've called them to. When they fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. Being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, they left. That's, that's what happened before they, this report in my text. They got sent and they came back. In case that's not enough, I'll give you another one and then I'll jump right into it. Acts 21, fourth missionary journey. When they were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the following day Paul went with us unto James and all the elders were present. And when they had saluted him, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. And they said, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews here which do believe they are zealots of the law. So today I'm going to follow in Paul's example and I'm going to give you a little bit of a report as much as I can about what happened with us and me and Mara. Some of you might recall that I told you that I felt that God was showing me that he was going to do something on this trip that was different. Raise your hand if you remember this. I told my church, I said, if you remember this, I, I, I'm afraid to say this to other people lest they think I'm lost, loopy in my head. But I see that people are going to come to Christ. Do you know that bringing someone to Christ in Myanmar can put you in prison? Do you guys know this? You can read about it in the news. There's a man that was just sentenced to seven years in prison just last week. He's going to be locked up for seven years. There was a man two weeks before that in Myanmar where Pastor uh, Nang was a week before we got there. A pastor was taken and they killed him. So we're not in the land of theoretical persecution in Myanmar. It's the real deal. Now, I didn't, you know, before you sent your kids with me, I didn't really want to focus on that too much there, Heath. <laughs> Elaine, right? Mrs. Robinette knows all about it. But it's a scary place. And uh, trying to make a convert in a land where you can go to prison. And, and honestly, I didn't know. And in my mind, I thought, maybe I'm going to prison and maybe we're all going to die. I didn't even know. I'm thinking, Lord, maybe if it was your will, because there's a bunch of us now, what if we all died? Like, then people would really pay attention. I'm like, is that what you have for me, God? And in my heart, I was like, well, I don't know what you have for me, God, but if killing me is what will get people to understand that our brothers and sisters over there need our love and encouragement and support, then I'm ready to go. I'm ready to take some of your kids with me, too. That's a little scary, probably, right? Next year, Andy, I won't tell you anything about it if maybe one of your kids wants to come. But guys, I'm telling you, walking with God is like that. You, you are either going to offer yourself to the Lord as a living sacrifice or you're not. And I'm telling you, doing it, you, I, you'll never regret it. Amen. And so that's what we did. I'm like, I don't know. We're going to go to prison. We're all going to die. The plane's going to crash. Whatever. I don't know. But I had this heavy feeling on my heart. And every time I prayed, Luke, I kept seeing these people at night coming to the Lord. Well, we don't normally teach at night. That's when the mosquitoes come out and they... You know, in the words of the people in Myanmar, uh, you are fresh blood for them, and they love it, and they want to bite you, you know, and then that's where you get malaria and all kinds of other bad things. And so we don't normally do it at night, but every time I would pray, I would see people coming to the Lord at night. And so I called Pastor Ning. I'm like, we're going to have night evangelistic services in Myanmar. He goes, really? He goes, you never did it like that before. I'm like, I know. I said, we're going to did it like that now. And so he said, okay. I said, ask for permission. Do whatever you got to do. But we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to do our normal teaching during the day. And at night, we're going to preach the gospel. And I haven't really done that a lot. I mean, you guys know the gospel, right? And I was going to do what I haven't done in a long time. I don't even know how long. And I was even, Luke, I was even going to have an altar call. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Pastor Ning is like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't even know. And I remember as we got closer, we got into the village. And some of you may have seen on the thing, we, we opened up our services, Becky. Did you see this? And nobody came. Not one human being. And they came and they told us, they said, well, when you filled out your paperwork, all you wrote was Foundation Church. They thought you were Foundation Church, Baptist Church. But you, since they found out you're Presbyterians, the minute they made an announcement, no one is to go to this meeting because we don't want any Presbyterians 
in our town. Did you guys hear about this? And so we come to there and, and I'm like, well, all right. So uh, one of the people on the team said, well, maybe we should shake the dust off of our feet and, and we should leave them. And, and, and in my mind, that didn't sound right. Uh, I'm like, this can't be right. There's something wrong. If they're not showing up, Derek, this means God is going to do something and it's going to be neat, but I apparently don't know what it is. And so, you know, hour passes. Guess how many people are there, Andy? Nobody. And so the young people are like, well, we're not going to get discouraged. I'm like, oh, I like this. And the young people, they said, we're going to go and, and we're going to stand out on this church. There's a hill looking over the, the, the town. It was kind of in a neat place. It's like on this flat. And then there's like about a, what, a 50-foot drop down to the thing. And then you can see the town. And so they're out on the edge. Of the, and they're going, mighty Lord, extend your kingdom. And, and you may have seen video of this, but being there, I'm telling you, it was kind of like it, we were singing it and the words were falling down there on, on the, you know, you know, and we're like, okay, all right, mighty Lord, extend your kingdom. You know, when you're there and you're praying for God to extend your kingdom and nobody's coming to listen, it's a little bit discouraging. And we got Rebecca Lely who takes care of the orphans normally in Rakhine and she's all dressed up in her silky top and she's practicing the song she's going to sing. And I'm like, what is she practicing for? There's nobody here. And she's got the organ inside, and we're like going, okay, these people are crazy. You know, no one's coming. What are we going to do? I'm like, well, maybe we should just wait and pray. I don't know what we're going to do. And eventually, a few people showed up. Not very many. And as they showed up, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm just going to go straight for the jugular. And the people that showed up, I said, you know what? We're not come to preach Presbyterianism. We're not coming to preach Baptists. We're not coming to preach Pentecostal. In fact, I said, you know, everybody knows the Baptists are way nicer than the Presbyterians. And then they left. I said, everybody knows the Pentecostals play better music and they're more excited. And then everybody left. And I said, but everybody knows the Presbyterians are smarter than all the rest of the people. And that's what they did. They laughed too. And I said, and you know what? I said, I'd like to be all three if I could. I'd like to be the most excited and I'd like to be the nicest, and I'd like to also explain the Bible the right way, like I'm going to because I'm a Presbyterian. And they laughed, and they thought it was really funny. And so the, the uh, assistant pastor was there, and uh, he's this little guy who's kind of dressed like a hipster. And uh, he gets on the organ, and he cranks it up. You've never heard anything like it. He is playing the organ, and then he has this thing on the side, which is a fired-up lead guitar, and, the la and it's so loud that you're in pain. Okay, he's like, Wah! and he's like, Jerry Lee Lewis and down here, and he's like, and, and like, I'm looking at Elder Bill Hine and the team, and I'm like, holy moly, we better not record this, you know, and, uh, and, and they're like, I, they're really taking me seriously, they've gone straight Pentecostal, I don't know what's going on, and so we make it through uh, the, the first day of teaching, and, um, and so I'm like, well, what am I going to do? wonder if anyone's going to come or just this few people are going to come. I don't really know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, in fact, the days kind of all blend together, so I can't remember. Did we cook a meal on that day or what happened? Oh, I remember. So, so he said, well, the reason why there are so few people here is that the church people from the Montepi Church are having to cook all the food for later on. And so they're all cooking the food. And they literally got a pig and they killed a pig up there. Like they're killing it while we're down here. You know, talking to the 10 people that showed up, they're killing a pig and cooking this pig up on this hill right by this church. Well, all the church people, they said we had wanted to hire people to do this, but they wouldn't even show up to do it. So the church people have to do it so that people have food. And I'm like, well, this is not really my plan. I mean, now none of the church, the church people are so focused on feeding us that they're not even going to be here. So I'm a little irritated about the whole thing. And, and uh, so we come to night one. And as night one comes, I hadn't really planned what my evangelistic service would be. I mean, the, the gospel is the gospel. And the Lord lays on my heart to tell the story of the prodigal son. And so I do. And I'm preaching the story of the prodigal son. And I give a very simple presentation of the gospel. And lo and behold, if three young men do not just come forward. And I'm not talking like little tiny children. I'm, I'm talking about three young men in their 20s. And I'm like, whoa, you know. And they come forward. And so what we do is we're, we, we were like, okay. You know, and I'm thinking, well, maybe Americans are in town or maybe these are the people that are part of their church. I'm not really sure who these people are, what, what's going on here. 
but they want to receive the Lord. And we prayed. It was really kind of low key, but they were very serious. And I'm like, wonder who they were. And, I, you know, it's hard to kind of get all that info. So Pastor Nick says, well, these guys want to be baptized. And I'm like, well, we're in a Baptist church, and I'm not really sure how that's going to go down. Uh, and so um, earlier in the day, there was, this, there was this like square earthen box out in front of the church. And I was like, I saw in my heart and my head, people are coming to the Lord. We need to fill this thing up. We need to do by faith. And Pastor Nick explained to me, you have to buy all of the water in water bottles up there. And it would take about... $500 to fill up this thing. And I'm like, well, maybe we should just pour, you know. We should. <laughs> and um, so we didn't fill it up, but I'm like, I know something good's going to happen, you know. And so these boys were like the first fruits of it. And one of them was named Peter. Uh, I don't remember the other two names. We wrote them down. But what we did was we saw this just to keep unity in the church so we weren't Presbyterian, right, in a way that it was going to be offensive. So we said, well, why don't we just tell them we're going to take them over to the church over the one that we built that's over the big hill, and we will baptize them over there, and we'll do it later on. And so we do. So the next morning, our team gets up, and, and we go over there, and I'm like, you know what? I'd like to have these guys testify because, honestly, Andy, I'm thinking, did they get caught up in the moment? Are they the guys that come forward in every meeting? Like, what is going on? Because it really felt kind of like flat, you know? And... Uh, so when the first one started talking, that was all it took for me. I was already, I was like, he said, last night, he said, when you told the story of the prodigal son, he said, that was me. He said, I've been around church and I've been around things. And he goes, but I've been, and he starts talking about how he's drinking and how he's wasting and how he's living this rough life. And that now he is going, and, and, and Elizabeth goes, that guy has been my motorcycle guy for two years every year that i've come here he's the one riding me around on the motorcycle he's from pastor Nang's village hours away and he came to montu p because we were going to be there she's like that guy rode he's the guy driving me around on a motorcycle for two years and he's not even a christian and he goes well i'm gonna be one now he goes i because we because i preached i'm like i preached the story of the prodigal son and i talked about how you could come home you could come to the lord and he's like and that's me so then this other guy, his name was Peter, and he testifies, and, and his testimony is, was like killing me. I really wish we had these recorded. I wish someone would have recorded what they said. But each three of these young men really deeply touched my heart. And we baptized them there, and it was a real beautiful thing. And just imagine being in a place, and you're kind of on the edge of this mountain, and when you pour, you just pour, it and it just goes on the floor, and nobody cares, and it's going through the floor and all over the mountain, and... And you're all in there and we're singing and it's kind of exciting. I'm like, okay, maybe this is it. But I'm like, I saw a woman in my heart and mind and there was no women. And maybe this is it and I don't know. And I'm still thinking about it, you know. So the next morning we get up and it's, it's cold and people aren't coming again. And I'm getting a little bit discouraged. And the team decides that they are not going to hang around at the church and they're going to go up on this mountain so in Machu Picchu in the middle of Machu Picchu Derek there is this hill and on the top of it is this white cross that you can see so it's kind of cool it's like Rio only like miniaturized right so so you're in this town and there's this cross up at the top of this hill you know and I'm thinking it looks like it's 30 feet tall but it's not but it's white so you can really see it up there and so they all abandon me and I am sitting there at the church by myself okay and I'm sitting at the church, and I'm making a video. I'm filming myself. I'm like, I'm here. It's so beautiful. Look at the mountains. And they tell me the kids are up there at that cross. And I'm thinking, I could never walk up there. It's just like, it's way, way, way up there. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. And um, so I turned my camera off, and I'm sitting there a little bit. And I said, Lord, I said, Lord, you showed me that some sinners were going to come to the Lord. And I just, I need you to just send me a sinner. I want a sinner to come to me. So that I can tell them about Jesus. And even though these guys had come and we had baptized them, I was still feeling like it wasn't really what God had shown me. And so while I'm praying, I'm praying with my eyes open and I'm, I'm looking out over this town. There's this guy about 100 feet down, kind of walking down the road, and he goes. Now, we had been singing, hoping they would see us and come up the hill and try to talk to us, and nobody would. But this guy's like making goofy faces. And I'm like... Is this the center, Lord? And so he goes. And he's walking on the road, and then there's a stairway that goes up to the church. And I'm like, 
just, just totally the sinner. And he comes up there, and he comes up, and he stands right, and he's like, hi. Oh. And he reeks of alcohol. I'm like, oh, he is a sinner. <laughs> he's a drunk sinner. You know, I'm like, oh, that's great, Lord. So, I'm like, so now I have this drunk sinner who doesn't even speak my language, and so I'm trying to tell him about Jesus. <laughs> and he's like, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is great. So I'm like, well, Lord, what I need is an interpreter here, okay? And I'm telling you, five seconds later, this guy in a, a white coat with like a fur collar, who they had told me was completely insane and not to talk to, here he comes. And I'm like, oh, so you're sending me crazy Thomas, okay? The guy's name is Thomas. And so Thomas comes up the stairs. Well, what I found out about Thomas is that Thomas had somewhat lost his mind. But before that, he was a representative of the World Council of Churches. And had been to Germany and Geneva and Australia and around the world. Now, you really wouldn't, if you'd met him, you really wouldn't have gotten that impression. Okay? He hadn't bathed probably in a month. I don't know. And he's got this, he's got like a fur coat on like you'd see like, you know, in downtown New York City or something. And he's got like a fur collar around the thing. And Thomas sets down. And I'm like, Thomas. I said, I just prayed for someone. I said, can you help me? He goes, Absolutely. And right there, he communicated with this guy, and we talked, and we laid hands on him, we prayed for him. We had a real moment with this guy that I'm, I'm like, okay, okay, well, something's happening. I don't really know what. And so as I'm talking to him, I get the story of Zacchaeus in my head, Tim. And I said, well, you know, when, when, when salvation came to Zacchaeus' house, he made some things right. I said, ask this man if he's done anything really bad. And so Thomas is like, okay. And then me and Mar, you can do this, right? And so he asked the guy, and the guy goes, oh, yeah, I've done some really bad things. I said, is there anything really, really bad you've done that you can make right? Because that's what Zacchaeus did. He went and made things right. And he goes, well, I did turn off the water supply to the city. <laughs> well, we had had a little water problem, but we didn't really understand exactly about the water problem. And uh, he said, well, he's really mad, and there's a lot of corruption in the city. And he used to work for the water company. And he turned off the water, and, and it was off, and he knew it was wrong. And I said, well, are you going to turn it back on? He said, nope, I'm not going to turn it back on. And I'm like, well, no, you have to understand. If you're really going to repent and you're going to do right, you've got to turn the water back on. He's like, no. He goes, and so he told Thomas, and Thomas kept giggling but not telling me why he wouldn't turn the water back on. So I go get Pastor Ning. I'm like, okay, you know, Thomas is not really telling me what I want to know here. And so Pastor Ning, here's the guy. And Pastor Ning starts belly laughing. Oh, I said, well, what's, what's, what's going on? He goes, the pastor and him turned the water off. They were trying to maybe sabotage what we were doing. Okay. And so the pastor of one of these churches in town had convinced him knowing the knowledge that he has. And they turned off the water to kind of throw a little, a little curveball our way. So I'm not exactly sure. Maybe, maybe Steve can tell you. I don't know what happened. But somehow they wouldn't turn it on, right? So I, so I don't even know later on. All, all, and Steve and I haven't really discussed this. But he came up and tapped me. He goes, the water's back on. So I don't really know. Okay? But this really happened. Okay? This is not just me making stuff up. This really happened. So the next, so it comes later on. And uh, we have the evening service again. And I preach again. And this time, uh, this woman that I had seen in my mind, here she comes. And I'll tell you, she, she testified, she gave a little testimony. And what she said, uh, honey, I don't know if I told you this, but it kind of got me. She said, you know, she said, many times I've been around different churches and I've heard people preaching. She said, but you said something that made me know I could come. And I'm, I'm really waiting for this, Becky, right? And she goes, you said that it didn't matter how many sins. It didn't matter what I've done. That God could cleanse me. He could wipe away my sins and I could be his daughter. And it didn't matter how bad I'd been. She goes, and I've been really bad. And she goes, but that means I can come too. And she like raising her hands and tears are coming down. And I'm like, okay, maybe that's it, God. Wasn't that good? Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for that. And we had a good day of teaching, but I thought, okay, you gave me these three young men and you gave me this woman, and they're really what I saw in my head, but I hadn't really seen this, this, this nighttime thing that I was really, really wanting to see. And it, it did happen at night, but it, didn't, it wasn't like and I could see in my mind. 
So I'm like, I don't know. Well, the devil was hot after us. And I'm telling you, when you go to work in these places, the devil gets after you. He messes with your food. And he messes with the, the landlord, wanted a thousand more dollars. And, and this pig meal that I fed, these people cost me thousand dollars that I wouldn't expect that I'm spending. And I'm like, we're going to go poor and we're going to lose all of our money and we're not even going to be able to make it back. And, and then the bus drivers say, we don't have any more money for gas. And so I've got to buy all the gas in the giant bus, you know, and there's no gas stations. And the devil's just hot after me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm leaving it all. I don't really care. I'm going to go and I'm going to preach the gospel. And if that's fine and nobody comes and nothing happens, that's just fine. But I'm not going to be distracted and I'm not going to be, I'm not doing it. I am going to go and I'm going to preach the gospel. But honestly, in my flesh, Andy, I was kind of like, you know, so I said, all right, Nate. I said, I know my message was super simple the last two nights. It's going to be more simple tonight. I'm just going to give a basic message. And after this, we're going to get out of here and we're going to load up at four in the morning and we're leaving. Okay, Pastor Mark. Well, as soon as I grabbed the microphone, I'm telling you, I felt like I had gotten like a supercharge or something. I don't know what happened to me. I started talking about Adam and Eve. And, and I didn't even know where I was going, Andy. I just knew that it, it, something went wrong in the garden, right? And I start talking about what a beautiful world it was and how men used to be able to hang out with tigers and talk to them and how beautiful it was and how there wasn't pollution and disease and death. And as soon as I start talking about death, realizing that these people every single day are facing death. In fact, I remember what I preached, something I'll back up just a minute. We had an experience there that if you hadn't heard about it, was pretty, pretty pivotal for us. We were... I believe it was on the second day, or was it the last day? I don't know what day. What day was it? That we, that we all walked to the cross? Okay. So before church, right? Before church, I, they said, you should try to go up to this cross. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And they're like, you can do it. Come on, you can walk up there. And it's, it's really high. So we go over there, and we all get out of the bus. And as we were walking up the hill, it's a hill like about like that, Okay. And it's dirt and it's real loose, gravelly kind of a thing. And we're walking up there and you can't really take a vehicle up there, uh, but they can take motorcycles. And as we were walking up the hill, um, I could see the motorcycle coming down the hill right at us. And there's three Myanmar kids on this motorcycle and their arms are out to the side, you know, like this. And they're like, and I'm like, oh no. And so they kind of swerve out of the way, to, or maybe they didn't, or I don't know, but I'm like, this is not going to be good. And they wreck, and they do a serious wreck. And they're like literally laid at my feet, and all three of them look like they're dead. And they're not moving. And I've never had, how many of you ever had three people crash and fall, and they're laying dead? I've never had that happen in my whole life. And the one guy I was sure was dead, and the other two looked dead, but I'm like, they can't all three be dead. This, this, this would be crazy, you know. And so they're laying there. And I'm really, you know, they're like not moving. And, and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to figure out what, what to do. Because it literally, they crash like right here. And they're just like there. And the, the team's up there. And so they're all running back down the hill. Well, um, so the other two start moving. But the other guy, he's got blood coming out of his mouth. And he's just like totally limp. And he doesn't appear to be breathing. I mean, I, we checked. We didn't find a pulse. We didn't, there was nothing. But I mean, you know, it was kind of all happening. Well, um, Josh Narwald had just gone through advanced EMT training. Josh Narwald, yeah, right. Josh Clark. <laughs> Apparently, I'm a little jet lagged. So. so Josh Clark had just gone through advanced EMT training and his training kind of kicked in and they're all wanting to grab this guy and he's like, get him away. We need to stabilize him. Maybe his neck is broke. We don't know what. And so we're on a slope. So it's not like you can lay him out flat, but he's like laid in the road and he's over here. And the guy's just like, I'm telling you, everybody in the team thought he was dead. I don't know if he was or he wasn't, but he appeared to be dead to us. And we were just like, oh, God, what are we going to do? And so we're trying. So the other guys are moving around, and they're waking up, and they've got these cuts and, you know, whatever, and they're dusty and whatever. So uh, we start stabling the guys, stabilizing the guy's neck and trying to see if there's some way we can maybe pick him up or we can do something. And Josh Clark is saying, don't move him. And I'm like, well, 
You know what would be a good thing to do about now? We'll pray for him. So, you know, so we did. And it was a, it was a, I don't know how long this was, but it was a, at least from beginning to ending, several minutes. Ten minutes at the most, maybe, I don't know. But when we were done praying with him, eventually he did open his eyes. And then he couldn't move his hands and he couldn't move his feet and it was pretty scary, but eventually we did get him up on his feet and we walked away. So anyway, so in the middle of this sermon I'm preaching, I'm, I'm realizing that God had given me a picture of something that was going on in their town. You have to understand, Matupi is an entirely Christian village. Christian-like as in Mount Sterling is Christian. You understand? Their mom has taught them about Jesus. They didn't teach them about Buddha, right? Right? Most people in Mount Sterling, most people on this street, if you ask them, they wouldn't say, I'm Muslim. They wouldn't say that I'm a Buddhist. What would they say? They'd say they're Christians. Most of Matupi is like this, but... But Matupi up there, do you know what they do up there at the cross? They go up there and drink. It's like the cool place to go up there and drink. And most of the kids of Matupi are nominally Christian, but they're backslidden. They're not following Christ. They're living like the world. And that's really what was going on. And so I began to preach about this, about how they had received the message and how they had rejected it. And how that we were on our way to the cross. And them and their children were running away from the cross. And so it became an analogy in the sermon, and we were talking about this. And so I'm preaching about Adam and being a son of Adam and what it means to be a son of Adam. To be a son of Adam is to be uh, basically all you have ahead of you is death, right? And disease and difficulty, right? And disorder. But you, but you could be a son of God. It was a real, real simple sermon. And when I got done preaching the sermon, I kind of... I. I Throughout the sermon, I got like really crazy. I started yelling and hollering and I went straight up like I got super inspired. Well, as inspired as I got, Pastor Ning got more inspired. And so in the words of David, who was there, he goes, it was an amazing thing. He goes, you were talking. Now, David knows English really well. And he goes, and what you were saying, he goes, it was like Holy Spirit was on you. And then when it would get on Pastor Ning, it would go even more. And so I'd be like, hey, you don't have to be a son of Adam today. You can be a son of God. And then, and then uh, Pastor Ning would be like, uncle, and he's jumping up in there and he's jumping And I'm like, wow, like we're really getting into it. And so I decide not to do little short stints, but to do big ones. Because I'm not, it's hard to stop. If you've ever preached and you have to stop every 10 seconds, especially for me, you know, I get distracted. I'm like, is there a light bulb out over there? Uh, did someone just walk in the back door? And then, oh, it's your turn. Okay. And, uh, you know, and so I'm like, I can't do this. I'm just going to preach. And so I just start preaching and Nang's preaching and whatever. And all of a sudden, like the whole building is up front. And I'm like, what, did you tell the whole church to come? He's like, no, I didn't tell them all to come. And they're coming in. Tears are streaming down their faces. And I look over and this woman, Laura, this woman has a baby. And she, it's attached to her and she's nursing and tears are running down her eyes. And she's coming forward. And I'm like... Wow, what in the world's going on? And these people are, you know, there's like young people and old people and whatever, and they're in this long, and I'm like, who, who are these people? Like, these are people that they want to be a son of God, not a son of Adam. That's what they want. And I'm like, they, they do? And he's like, yeah, they do. They, in fact, several of them have said, I want baptized. Well, we had baptized those three guys and the girl and an 80-year-old guy, which I forgot to tell you about him. Uh, he had been part. He had been going to the church for a long time, but had never come to the Lord. And he, and the the pastor Rowe had worked on him over and over and told him he needs to, you know, make a profession. He needs to get baptized. And he goes, but something I said, you know. So so I had Pastor Rowe help me baptize him at his house, you know. So we had the three guys. We had the old guy. We had the, the lady. And then and now we've got this row that is as long as from where Sam is all the way over to Anna of these people in a line. And so Pastor Nang is like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, well, I'll pray with them. He's like, well, they want to be baptized. I'm like, but we've been promoting unity. And we've been trying to not be Presbyterian and whatever. He goes, he goes we need to baptize them now. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, let's do it. So, so all we had is bottles of water. And I'm like, I don't really want to do that. Like they're half drunk, you know, like, you know. We, we've been drinking out of these bottles of water. Well, somebody goes and gets a bucket, and they get this dipping thing. And it was absolutely wonderful. 
And as we were, these people, they would, they would confess, I want to know Christ, that I want him to, to be my Lord and my Savior, and, and I don't want to be a son of Adam only, but I want to be a son of God. They were saying this one after the other, and it wasn't like a repeat after me sort of a thing. It was what they were, they were declaring. And so we were, we were baptizing them, and we were pouring the water, and, and all of this was happening. And one after the other, and I'm thinking, Andy, I'm thinking, We'll never get invited to this Baptist church again, I can tell you that right now, because we just poured water. They had this white marble on the floor, like as rough as it is, you know, the church has a generator, and, you know, it's kind of like being outside and inside at the same time. Right up near the area, they have this white, beautiful marble area, and we're just pouring water all over it, and, you know, everyone's got really dirty feet, and so we are creating, Benita, this massive mud situation while this is going on. So we're pouring and we're, you know, whatever. And in the middle of it all, I, I think maybe we got through the last baptism and the power goes out. And we're in pitch black, dark. And that didn't shut anything down whatsoever. All of a sudden, everyone's got their cell phones out and they have lights on and, and, and people are praying. And the young people that are part of the team, they're praying with people and, uh, and they're crying. Right, Nevaeh? Come on, those of you who haven't had a chance to see Nevaeh cry, we did. We got to see it. <laughs> And she's like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I can't quit crying, right? And, and uh, one of the little girls had Sarah in a deadlock over there, and she's this little girl, and she's like crying and sobbing, and, and you know, Sarah's crying, you know, and she's got her, and Rebecca's crying, and everybody's crying. Even, the, I think Nathaniel may have even cried. I'm not sure. I can't verify that. The lights were out, okay? Ryan got involved. Ryan was laying his hands on people and praying. Was it a pretty powerful moment, guys? Come on, me and Martine, raise your hands if this was a, 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 a time that we will not soon forget. And so we were praying and we were just calling out for the Lord. And, and, and as I was doing this, I was like, this is the thing that was going to happen that I would have been praying to happen. And it went on and on for a really long time. Maybe if I talked about it too long, maybe some of you might even feel funny. But it was really great. And when we were going over the video and I saw the, the muddy floor, I'm like, this is how I like to get the dust off of our feet. With waters of baptism. And God gave us a tremendous great gift on that night. You know, it reminded me that maybe there are even young people here. You, you've grown up in this church and you hear the word of God and and maybe you don't even remember or you don't even think about your need for Christ in the way that you might need to think about it. And that a few generations down the line, if you're living the good life and you don't have a lot to complain about, you'll forget somehow that what brought the good things into your life is Christ. And I pray that day doesn't come that you're running away from the cross and that you find yourself in trouble and difficulty. And, you know... It wouldn't surprise me if in heaven we find out that that young man was, was gone. And that we prayed and God rose him from the dead. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it might matter for him, but I'm saying, I don't need to be the miracle guy that did it if it happened. Who, whatever God does, he does. Maybe that was a moment that will change that young man's life. Maybe it'll affect the village. I don't really know. But God gave that situation to us and we were there in it. Amen? But maybe it's a picture for you. Maybe there'll be a time in your life when you, you know, I hope that we don't have any young people who do that right now. I'm very proud and very excited that the people of this church, that the kids are here, they want to be here. And they're not running away from the things of God like those boys were. I saw those boys and I saw people that probably had families who loved them, you know, and who could have had horrible, horrible news about their fate that day. But instead they got another chance. Isn't that what God does for us? Over and over and over, God gives us opportunities to serve Him and love Him even when we don't deserve it. Right? You know, our goal in going to Myanmar was to do the will of God and to encourage our brothers and sisters. And um, in the process, we did that and we got encouraged ourselves. We got to do some fun things. It was like, Stephen, it was like the Lord rewarded me. I, I have been over there many, many times. And, and you know what I've wanted? I've wanted to see an elephant. 
even if it was chasing me down to kill me, I, I really, really wanted to see an elephant really bad. Like an elephant, you know, out there. You know, I've seen an elephant in Ohio, but elephants aren't from Ohio. And so when I see an elephant in Ohio, not really from Ohio, it's different than being in the country where they live, where they're from, where they live, right? And uh, we, two, a couple things. So, so when we left uh, Chook Village, um, I was a little stressed out about money and all kinds of things. And so I'm like, all right, we're just going to sleep on the bus. And so we're driving and, uh, and we pull over. And, and the amazing thing about God is, you know, you drive hours and hours and hours in the night in the weirdest, strangest place on earth. And you happen to your bus basically comes within a mile of like probably the most popular screensaver in the world history of screensavers. You guys have probably have it on your computer. It's a picture of these balloons and these Asian temples, right? So Amy, guess where we parked our vehicle? Right in the middle of it all. Unbeknownst to us, they're filling up hot air balloons, dozens of hot air balloons around us. We don't even know it. And so we know we're in the area and I'm like, well, if we're here, it's 3.30 in the morning, let's sleep for a couple hours and we'll maybe watch the sunrise in this beautiful place that people come from all over the world. They pay big money to see it. And we just happen to be here on our way. One of our themes was this. We don't follow pleasure. But when you do the work of God, pleasure follows you. And I'm like, listen, here we've been doing evangelistic work and we've been, you know, going to the bathroom in places most of you would never want to be seen. And, and we've been eating food that's frightening. Guys, I pulled a chicken head right plumb out of a bowl of soup. A chicken head with the comb on it, and I ate the comb right off the head. Steve ate a chicken head too, right? We're, we belong to the club. You know it's bad when you go ahead and eat the chicken head, right? So here we are in all this difficulty and adversity and you know, people changing their plans and bus drivers wanting more money and hotel, you know, all this stuff. And, and, and then God has us go to sleep in a place that people, people dream it's on their bucket list. I want to go to Bagan and see the sunrise in Bagan at the great temples. And we're sleeping in a bus, half delirious, taking our malaria pills, trying to survive. And all of a sudden, you know what wakes us up? Tour buses. Whoom. Whoom. And I'm like, wow, they obviously know something we don't know. So I wonder where they're going at 5.30 in the morning. And I'm like, well, maybe we should follow them. So we follow them. And when we go, it's a tourist trap, Jonathan. And everyone that gets out of the bus, they're like 25,000 chat, okay, which is a lot of money. Every person, I'm like, kids, get back on the bus. We're not, <laughs> we're not doing that. You know, 20 people times 25,000, do the math. It's a lot, all right? It would have been hundreds of dollars for us. And they're like, well, if you're in Bagan, you have to pay that. And I'm like, well, apparently the toll booth guy was asleep because we're in Bagan and we didn't pay it and we're not going to pay it. Get back on the bus. So they come and they, you know, so, so we drive over and I'm like, you know, when we were here, we went to this really cool place that you don't need to pay. You just go. And so we drove around and guess what, Laura? It was right there. So we get out of the vehicle. I'm like, let's walk over here. Josh gets his drone out flies the drone up in the air and we watch the sunrise and as we do 25 balloons i think it was arise on the horizon as the sun is rising and we're standing in the middle you may look down in your screensaver one day and see us we're right there i'll be like doing this like look at us we were on our way working for jesus you know but it was great and so as soon as we leave begone we get in the vehicle and we drive down the road and there's a sign that was it steve saw it, it says elephant camp and i had told him i said if you pass an elephant camp I don't care if you have to wreck the bus. I want to see a stinking elephant. And so we'd seen the balloons, and we pull over, and here they were. And you might go, you know, it's a silly thing that Pastor Mark wants to see an elephant. You know what? No, it's not. Do you know God? Do you know whose world this is? It's my father's world. Do you know who made elephants? My father. And here we were. And we didn't just get to see him. I mean, has anyone, ever, has anyone ever run your hand up and down the trunk of an elephant and grabbed him by his tusk? Anybody ever do that? I'm so totally better than you guys <laughs> when it comes to elephant experiences. We were feeding them watermelons and corn, and, and I, was like, I was ready to take the trunk and like wrap it around my head. Like, I was like, I'm like, could we get any closer? I'm like, I think I want to put my hand right in his mouth. And that was cool. And then they're like, but now you're going to ride on his back. And I'm like, that's it. Just shoot me. You know, every Tarzan movie I'd ever seen, I'm like, I wanted to be on that elephant's neck. I wanted to be on there so bad. And, and so they have these giant platforms and you go up there 
And you know, our team even made fun of the, the, that my elephant was going to have a harder time than other people's because of me. <laughs> Can you believe the abuse I take for the kingdom, right? But I'm like, I don't care if the elephant goes down, I'm getting on an elephant. So, so I got on the elephant. I don't even remember who was on the elephant with me, but uh, Steve was, I think, in front of us. We took some pictures. But you know, God loves us. And he gives us things. I prayed to see a whale one time, and God gave me an experience of a lifetime. I've prayed to see elephants, and I've gotten to ride on their backs and play with them and, and feed them. You know, God cares about you. Amen? And you know what? God uses people who are so goofy that they actually want to see an elephant and that they're talking about it in their church. And he uses us to see people's lives changed for the gospel. We all found as a team that even though several people threw up, and I'll avoid eye contact with all those who did, some of them, some of their throw up actually got on me, avoiding eye contact right now. We found the true meaning of essential oils. Uh, it's essential, right, Steve, to have oils that you can put up your nose so that you don't throw up to. Uh, we shared a great experience together. And in the process, we encouraged the church. And so many of the people there in the church were just thanking us and loving on us and being so thrilled that we came so far to see them and to spend time with them. And that's what we wanted to do. You know, we didn't know we'd get a chance to, to see people come to Christ like that, but God has given us that gift too. What a, what a great blessing. Amen? It kind of gave me a little bit of a fever loop to see some people come to Christ here. Because you know the gospel is what saves people. The Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. And yep, God's dispelling darkness in Myanmar, but there are just as many nominal Christians away from God right here where we live that we could talk to. People who have been taught the right way, but they run from the cross. Lives who probably should be snuffed out because of their own foolishness and difficulty, but you know what, we're really not much different than them. Right? God's mercy has been for us. I can't even count the times I've almost been killed and probably should have been. But God's had mercy on me. Maybe you're like that. Maybe you're thinking, you know, God's given me a day. What are you going to do with this day that God's given you? What are you going to do with the time he's given you? You might think, well, what I have to do, what I have to say is not going to matter all that much. And you know what I'll tell you? Probably won't. But I can tell you what, it really won't. My grandfather used to say this. He said, none of the balls, none of the golf balls you don't hit ever make it in a hole. God calls us to go into the world, not to be great, not to be eloquent, not to get it all right, not to organize the best team. Guys, the Bible says the plans that we all make, we think we know the results of them, but it's God that orders it all. And in a place like Myanmar, you are reminded of it. You're reminded of your weakness, of your frailty, and of your need for God, and how every time God does something wonderful through you, it's a mercy. Amen? Amen. So you guys are back home. And you know, the Apostle Paul shared these things with his people. He sat around and told them stories about jails and jailers and how they got whipped and beaten. And he told his stories, and I bet you they laughed too. But the reason why he shared it with them is because they had sent him. And do you know that this church, everything that we do there and everything that we're a part of is you. It's an extension of you. And the faith that you guys have in God and, and the work that you do to be a part of Mission to Myanmar, to be part of Sons of St. Patrick, to you know, watch videos, to collect change, to do the things that you do, you are a part of every single bit of that. And we got to go. And you know, Steve, year after year, has been watching. And he's like, I want to go all oh, every year. I want to go. I want to go. And now, by the grace of God, Steve gets to go. And some of you will, too. And I can imagine in the years to come, they'll, you guys will be allowed to come one at a time, however God provides. Uh, and you'll get to see these. But some of you maybe will never go. Do you know Abraham never got to see the city that he was looking for? But he went by faith. Amen? So Foundation Church, can we go by faith and continue to do the work of God? Can we offer God what we have? Can we be like the, the boy who has the few fishes and the few loaves? And he says, hey, they're all like, well, this isn't enough. And he's like, it may not be enough, but it's what I have. We can be like the widow who offered her mites 
at the temple and Jesus saw it. If we can be like that, folks, we're going to see thousands fed. We're going to see things happen we never would imagine happen. And I'll close with being at the orphanage. Being at the orphanage was the most painful part of my trip for me. Because I want those kids. I would like to bring them home here. You know, Jeff and Amy, you talk about some kids, right? You can get kids wherever, but I'm telling you, those kids are little Christian children who love God, who've been without parents, who are very, very poor. And they, they were clinging to us. And it's a hard thing to not be able to bring them home. It's a very hard thing. Um, I don't go because I don't feel. I go because I know that they need a little bit of love. Amen? And so let's pray for them. Let's pray for your brothers and sisters. Pray for Pastor Nang Tong. You know, Pastor Nang Tong, Paul, he, he has faith that we can raise $250,000 and build a school next to his house and that we can raise $10,000 and help put an addition on a, a church in Matupi. Heron thinks, oh, maybe we can fix the porch and fix the gutters and build a cistern and that's only this. You know what? You know what's funny? I, we were sitting in the house. We raised $100,000 to build. And I'm so faithless. I'm like, well, that's, we've, just, we've done enough. What more could God do? And you know what the truth is? There'll be a day when we'll go over and that ministry center will be built right next to his house. And we'll go, how did it happen? And I'll tell you how it happened. It'll happen the same way everything happens. God has his holy will. He works through people who are weak and silly, who argue, who fight, who when they go one day without American food have to make up for it by eating two days of American food. People who have to have their morning coffee, who miss it in Myanmar, and who overdose on it when they get home in America. We are so frail and sinful and weak. But isn't that what God says? He says, so where is the boasting? And Paul said, the boasting is excluded. He said that we cannot glory in anything save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto us and we unto the world. May we glorify in that and smile and chuckle and laugh at ourselves that people that can't hold down our own lunches and throw up on the road to Montepi, uh, God can use us to bring people home to be a part of the kingdom of God. That's how God works. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you're so good to us. You love us. Not only have you called us out of darkness and saved us and, and saved us from the judgment of hell, but then you let us have friends friends here in this church and, and those that are coming to Christ in America and then you don't stop with that but you introduce us to people who are worlds away who we could never imagine to ever meet or be a part of and you can use us to feed the hungry orphans you can use us to help the little woman in Matupi who said now I know you said that it didn't matter how many sins Lord, I can't imagine that she'd never heard that before, but somehow she hadn't. And you used me to say some words to her and Pastor Nang to interpret, because she couldn't even hear me. She couldn't understand my words. But somehow through that, you've given a woman the hope and the understanding of her forgiveness and of your love for her. So many are standing now in Myanmar saying, I don't want to just be a son of Adam, I want to be a son of God. And according to your word, those that have faith, who believe, who confess with their mouth that you're going to save them. And thank you, God, for saving them. Thank you for saving us. May we never forget what you've done for us as we remember what you're doing for them. In Christ's name we pray. And the church said amen. 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 So the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord. It is right and a good and a joyful thing that we should at all times and all places give thanks to you, O Holy Lord. Father, almighty, everlasting God, because you sent your beloved Son to redeem us from sin and death and to make us heirs in him of everlasting life, that when he shall come again in power and great triumph to judge the world, we may without shame or fear rejoice to behold his appearing therefore with the angels and the archangels and with all the company of heaven we praise 
And we magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. Corinne, just wait just a minute. As I was praying that prayer, I was remembering something that I really felt I needed to share with you that was pretty, pretty powerful for me. Um, in the midst of all of what was going on there in Matupi, Pastor Nang stopped and he said, I really need to talk to the people and I need to tell them. And so he went on, he said, I just need to speak in my language and I can't stop and, and translate. I'm like, go, you don't need to, you know. So he goes and goes and goes and later he goes, you know what I told him? I said, what'd you tell him? He said, I told him how meeting you changed my life. And I'm like, I said, well, you've never told me. And he goes, but I tell you right now. And he leaves his head over and he, lay, he lays his head on me. I'm like, okay, this is totally sweet. He goes, Pastor Mark, he said, you know, I told you that many times I pray for people with cancer and they're healed. And many times I pray for people who are blind and they could see. And it was amazing things. He goes, and so I started going from village to village preaching and praying and people were healed. And he said, and that's what I would come to, to do at their villages. I said, yeah. And I'm thinking, what, you want to tell me your miracle max here? Because I, I already know this. He goes, but you come to, and you come to my house, and he said, and you teach a message that all the people Jesus healed died. And he said, and I come to think, the message of Christ is not that Jesus will heal sick people. The message of Christ is not that no one will ever die. The message of Christ is that man can be saved from eternal death. And he goes, and so that's what I've been preaching. And I tell them if they want to be healed, they can heal while I'm preaching about how God can save a man's soul. He goes, so I don't gather villages together and pray for people to be healed of their physical needs. I pray that they'll be healed of their sin and that they'll be washed clean from it. Guys, that's some good stuff right there. I had no idea that I had any effect on him. I just thought he was great and I'm there to try to help him with whatever I got, maybe a little money from America. But I got to bring him the word of God that helped him. Amen? Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.